if God is for you and for your family, then what can stand against you? And a family where joy and light are the dominant themes is a greenhouse that drives secret sins away. One, faith versus fear. Believe the promises of God found in Scripture. Jesus came to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Malachi 4. He came to bear the curse of Adam that has infected all our families. Jesus became the curse on the cross so that the sins of our fathers and our mothers and our sins and our children's sins might be taken away. So believe the promises of the gospel. This kind of faith creates a home where the dominant tone is relief. If God is for you and for your family, then what can stand against you? And a family where joy and light are the dominant themes is a greenhouse that drives secret sins away. But if there's something growing in the back of your proverbial pantry, that's a perfect recipe for missing something big. Fear comes from guilt and shame. So deal with your guilt and shame. Believe the gospel. Walk in joyful light. Light exposes darkness. Two, read the whole Bible together as a family and discuss everything. You can't read through the whole Bible and not address a number of topics relating to sexuality. We used this language with our kids when they were young, describing sex as laying with or a man's seed or the strange woman, we called her the bad lady, who uses her beauty to try to trick or trap men. The Bible talks about rape, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, bestiality, etc. Genesis 1 through 3 also clearly lays out the goodness of the human body, the image of God in male and female, the goodness of marriage and the one flesh union, the origin of shame in sin and disobedience, and then, of course, the promises of the gospel. But if you read the whole Bible together as a family regularly, you will cover pretty much every topic that needs to be covered. Allow the Bible's language to inform your language and create categories for young children, which can then make conversations more in-depth and natural as the children come into adolescence. 3. Celebrate feminine beauty, marriage, children. Model that joyful fellowship in your own marriage. You are commanded by the Bible to rejoice in the wife of your youth and to rejoice particularly in her beauty, in her body. Your children should all know that you are into your wife. Without being inappropriate, you should hold and kiss your wife enough to occasionally make the kids feel slightly embarrassed. Tell your daughters that they are beautiful and encourage them to practice feminine beauty. Tell your sons that they must honor and respect feminine beauty. 
Practice this in how you require them to interact, even from the earliest ages. No wrestling or fighting with girls. Require your sons to be gentlemen and your daughters to be ladylike. Don't tell your children that the magazine ladies are ugly or gross. Say that they are beautiful, but that their beauty should not be shared so cheaply with the world. Talk about marriage and children as the goal of courtship and dating from the earliest years. The thought of pairing off, having a crush, or liking so-and-so, or dating around before you're ready to be married, before a marriageable age, should seem foreign and silly to your kids. And don't let that sort of thing go on in your family at all. Four, establish wise house rules. Entertainment standards would be a really big one here. And be careful even with G-rated movies, which often have really foolish assumptions about pairing off boyfriends, girlfriends, or maybe assuming that parents are fools. Require space with siblings, separate bedrooms, different times and spaces for changing and bathing, especially between brothers and sisters. Be very careful in choosing friends. You, you don't have to be friends with everyone. You can, you can be kind to everyone and not best friends with everyone. Choose your friends carefully. Be careful even with extended family. Be careful with giving and taking rides. Understand what your house rules will be. In our family, it's always been our practice that I don't give rides to young ladies alone, and, um, and we wouldn't want our daughters to take rides with um, men alone. Be careful also with parties. Um, where will your children play? Um, do they go back into a bedroom alone with anyone, ever? Uh, what about overnight things? Um, in our family, we've never done slumber parties. I mean, what could go wrong? A bunch of kids staying up all night together. Minimize alone time and any time without multiple witnesses or accountability. Uh, this is for the sake both of to, to protect against temptations, but also to protect against false accusations or just simple misunderstandings. Always be in context as much as possible where it's public, where there are multiple witnesses and accountability. It's not good for man to be alone. And that's not just talking about bachelors. And remember that folly is bound up in the heart of children. In our house, playtime with friends was always out in the open, not back in bedrooms, not with bedrooms closed, etc. The general principle should be to practice protocols in your home, your house rules, that would make secret sin almost impossible to happen. Always having multiple people around, lots of publicity and accountability in place even with good friends and family. Don't let your guard down simply because they are family or really good friends or they go to your church or they're homeschoolers like you or they go to your school. Good house rules allow you to live without fear because they generally protect against being in situations where sin is likely to happen in secret. Five, establish wise electronic protocols. This is 
where we're talking about computers and TVs and iPads and iPhones. Use accountability software. Use parental protections. Keep all screens and devices out in public. You need to give lots of hovering oversight, especially when the kids are young. Then only slowly give freedom and allow room for wise use in the teenage years. You want to be letting go of rules before kids leave the house so they can practice complete freedom before they leave. They will be facing the real world when they leave, and if you only shield them until that point, they will not be truly prepared. Also focus on the positive uses of electronics, reading the Bible, smart podcasts and sermons that build up and encourage, connecting with extended family, etc., and guard against the mind-numbing, time-sucks, and self-serving social media scrolling. Six, confession, forgiveness, and accountability. We return to believing the gospel. Believe the gospel when things have not gone right, whether small sins or big sins. Never panic. Don't freak out. If your child or your teenager expresses doubts about biblical sexuality or some curiosity about sex or worldliness, believe the promises of God. Trust that if God is for me, then even this sin, this failure, can't stand against me. Now, the younger your children are, you can simply inform them of the truth cheerfully and require it. If your little boy says he likes wearing dresses, tell him that he doesn't. Actually, he's a man made in God's image who God has called to protect ladies and his glory is his strength, not his beauty. And require that cheerfully, but don't panic. If your young daughter says she likes wrestling and she wants to be a boy or a tomboy or whatever, tell her that, no, she doesn't. No, that's not what made, God has made her for. God has made her a woman to be beautiful, to make a glorious house for her husband and to be a mom. Cheerfully insist on these things and, and celebrate the steps they take to obey them. But, but when you talk about these things, inform them in the same way that you require them to believe that the sky is blue. You're a boy. You're a girl. Uh, marriage is, is where babies come from. It's the same thing. Um, the same way that you require them to believe that Jesus is God and that words have meaning. Now, the older your children are when sins occur or when questions or doubts pop up, the more you must respectfully engage. Ask lots of questions. Where are they getting this desire from? Where is this question coming from? Are they following unhelpful people on social media? Who are their friends? Are their friends influencing them poorly? Are they lonely? Are they insecure? Are they hurt? Are they bitter? Pour on the love. Pour on the respect. And then gently lead them to the truth while really trying to understand clearly where it's coming from. Clamping down, panicking, getting angry, blowing up, these are all recipes for disaster and driving your older children further away. Finally, remember the difference between forgiveness and trust. 
Jesus requires immediate and complete forgiveness of all sins, big and small, which restores true fellowship. But forgiveness does not mean that you leave them to flounder in their temptations and sins. You should ask them how you can help them, how you can help them repent, how you can help them move forward in obedience. Ask them for that. And then remember that love leans into, and then depending on the severity, requires accountability. 